I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. KSL Quarters for Christmas time is 106. I'm grateful to you for joining us here, episode 11. We are talking about a somber topic, uh, this segment, though one that does contain great heroism. On the line, we have ABC News correspondent Jim Ryan joining us from Dallas. Uh, sir, how are you? Hi, Lee. How are you? Good, good. I'm grateful to you for joining us. I know you have other broadcast responsibilities, so I'm going to get through these details very quickly. Can you, though, first tell us, uh, we're speaking, rather, about uh, the unfortunate story where a gunman killed two people during a Sunday morning service at a church in White Settlement, Texas. Uh, that was just before members of the congregation uh, stood up and fatally shot uh, the perpetrator. Uh, sir, what can you tell us? What's the latest down there? What, what, uh, what have you learned that we don't yet know? Well, they have identified at least one of the people killed there. Tony Wallace was a 64-year-old deacon in the church at West Freeway Church of Christ. Uh, he was one of two people shot and killed the first one, actually. He was holding a tray for uh, during communion. The gunman stood up there at a pew. He pulled a shotgun out from beneath his long, heavy coat, uh, shot and killed Tony Wallace. Then a second man, whose name has not yet been released publicly, before the gunman himself was shot and killed by at least one person. Uh, in the crowd there, one congregant who was carrying a concealed weapon and was acting as uh, the security force or security team there inside the church. Uh, he shot and killed the man, ending that siege. It lasted only a few seconds, literally about six seconds, Lee, before uh, these, uh, these three people would end up dead. Jim, the, the logistics of uh, of the shot fired, which neutralized the threat, uh, am I correct in assuming or in, in having read that it was a 50-yard shot, a single uh, bullet fired? He, it was about 50 yards. It may have been a little closer than that. He was approaching the gunman. The gunman had fired his two shots to his right. He turned left toward the altar area there, a stage inside the church. And that's when the, the man with the handgun came walking toward him, fired a single shot. There were three shots altogether. Each of them killed someone. The first two shots fired with a shotgun killed these two parishioners at the church. The last one killed the gunman. And, and walking toward him. So what you just described was uh, the, the security gentleman. I'm assuming, are we talking about uh, Mr. Jack Wilson? Uh, so Jack Wilson, uh, he sees the threat. He uh, unholsters his own firearm and instead of fleeing, moves towards the offender. Exactly, as did several other people there in the church. About four months ago, a law took effect. 
uh, which followed up the Sutherland Springs Baptist Church shooting that happened a couple of years ago here in Texas. Uh, lawmakers enacted some legislation which allows people to carry concealed handguns in, in houses of worship. And several people, if you watch the video of this, the, the whole thing was live streamed tragically onto YouTube. Uh, but you'll see several people standing up and drawing guns from you know their waistbands or from inside their own coat to, uh, inside coat pockets and and uh, taking aim at this person. So there were at least five people inside the church who were carrying guns. There must be a huge sense of gratitude felt for the heroic actions by this Mr. Jack Wilson and the others who uh, descended upon the perpetrator, but also a sense of great mourning for the loss of these two congregants. What are you What are you seeing there, sir? Well, that's true. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, Tony Wallace was considered just a pillar of this church, a longtime member who was deeply loved by those uh, uh, parishioners and by his own family. His daughter was sitting there with him when the gunman uh, turned toward him with a shotgun and, and killed him. And it just, just really a horrifically tragic situation. But you're right. There is this sense of gratitude and a feeling that things could have been worse. If Jack Wilson and others in the church hadn't stepped in and, and stopped this thing, uh, we don't know much more about the suspect himself, Lee, uh, or about how much more ammunition he might have had. But he had at least these two shotgun shells may have had more in his pockets. I saw an interview uh, granted by a woman sitting in a pew nearby uh, who described the perpetrator as having a, a wig and a beard. Is there anything uh, a fake, a fake wig and a fake beard? Yeah. Is, is there anything uh, you know about that, sir? Yeah, that's you're right. Others have talked about that as well. The guy, no one, no one recognized this man as a member of the church, and in fact, his appearance was unsettling to some people. This apparently fake beard that he had, this wig that he seemed to be wearing, and of course, his long, heavy coat. It was fairly cool yesterday. It wasn't Salt Lake City cool, but it was sure. cool by you know forward Texas standards yesterday morning at the start of the church service. And but but still, he's wearing a really heavy, long coat, which made him stand out a bit. People said that they were kind of watching an eye on him, keeping an eye on him, as were these member Jack Wilson and others on this, this uh, de facto security team. Uh, they you know, took action then when he stood up and pulled out a shotgun, but unfortunately not before two other people were killed. What's next for the West Freeway Church of Christ? Are they uh, sh- showing resolve or services to resume next Sunday? Oh, yeah, and actually they're holding a service today for only for its members, you know, no, no public, nothing like this, but uh, they are holding a church service today as they begin the process of getting through what happened yesterday. It, it's been barely 24 hours since this all happened, and yet the, the church leadership and the members say that they do want to come back together uh, to pray for those that they've lost and also to pray in gratitude for those who managed to be saved. Jim Ryan, ABC News correspondent. Sir, I'm grateful to you for your information. I'll let you go uh, attend to your other duties. Thanks again. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. We've been speaking to Jim Ryan. He's with ABC News, uh, expert in the field, uh, always keeps us up to date on things uh, when we're not able to travel out there and see them ourselves. And we've been talking about an unfortunate incident took place yesterday at a church uh, just west of uh, in Texas. Uh, just west of Fort Worth, Texas, where uh, in the midst of communion at the uh, at the West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement, Texas, uh, a man wearing a wig and a beard, a fake beard and a heavy jacket uh, opened fire on a pair of uh, individuals there gathering to worship. And it was the actions of a few of the congregants, concealed weapons holders, 
uh, and carriers who, uh, Jack Wilson in particular, pulled out his firearm and from about 50 yards away uh, fired a shot. And the reports are that that one shot struck the perpetrator in the head, rendering him incapacitated at least. Uh, I think he would later die. Uh, but the threat was certainly neutralized by that one shot uh, by Jack Wilson. Another congregant moved forward, kicked the gun away, pulled it and walked away. And that was the end of the threat. Uh, now, it's interesting. That was a church. And there were men and women in there who uh, were carrying weapons. And that was a relatively recent thing uh, made allowable in Texas again. Uh, there was some legislation that uh, had once prevented it. And then uh, just a few months ago, uh, that legislation undone. Now, here in Utah, uh, there's kind of an elephant in the room. We know that uh, the, the predominant religion, the Church of Jesus Christ uh, of Latter-day Saints, has recently uh, made the decision to, to outlaw and prohibit uh, firearms uh, in in their facilities and i'll let you you know interpret that however you'd like or rather react to it uh they're not the only church in town who who has made that decision the wasatch presbyterian church uh does so and the way the the way the law works here in utah is that for the most part if you are uh, a legal holder of a concealed carry permit you can carry your firearm in most any places and uh, even if those places have uh you know firearms prohibited on the door uh, if you are in compliance with with state law uh, you are susceptible maybe to uh, a trespassing uh, violation or a nuisance uh, violation if the proprietor comes to you and says hey we are aware that you are carrying a weapon we'd like you to leave if you don't then there could be some trouble for you but beyond that you've uh, violated no uh, firearms uh, uh, laws within Utah code. There is a difference, though, uh, for religions. Uh, religions here in the state of the, U- the state of Utah have the opportunity uh, to make it known publicly uh, that they would like to uh, prohibit firearms. And that is the case uh, here. You make those uh, you make those uh, declarations known uh, through like public notice in the in the newspaper, say the Deseret News or the Salt Lake Tribune or whichever newspaper uh, you, you read. You make those notices known there, and that's the case now. And uh, and it is a circumstance which many debate and have many strong feelings. Uh, and who knows? I have my own opinions on that, my own feelings. Uh, but whatever the case may be, we do know that it was in Texas that uh, a man legally concealing a firearm was able to put uh, to rest a threat uh, against himself, his family, and his fellow congregants. And uh, I think we'll look at this uh, for some time to come as we put together. Uh, I do know, uh, I've heard from many uh, law enforcement agencies who are going to look at this uh, in terms of tactics. They're going to look at uh, what this Mr. Jack Wilson did and and take lessons and take notes and use it to teach uh, and instruct others, hopefully to save uh, other lives down the road. Anyway, and in our next segment, we're going to talk about, uh, unfortunately, another tragedy, this time in New York. And it was a stabbing at a Hanukkah celebration. Our guest will be Jay Jacobson, the chair of the United Jewish Federation of Utah Task Force on Anti-Semitism. We're going to learn uh, if there's anything uh, we should uh, take note of here specifically in Utah after we see what uh, is reportedly an uptick in anti-Semitic attacks uh, and harassment in New York, at least, and maybe other wares, other where, other areas around the nation next here on live mike i'm lee lonsberry and this is ksl news radio two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport she was tear gassed and beaten images of thousands desperate to escape taliban oppression filled our news feeds 
More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.